0: This is a Q Media production. Leading and navigating change across a business can be overwhelming. So many leaders are handed a project by their board or CEO, and suddenly they're expected to create the vision, inspire their team, navigate roadblocks and make some really hard decisions. It can feel like you're swimming in the ocean at night, not knowing which way to go. So how is a leader supposed to know how to drive change? The challenge is, there's no course or dummy's guide to leading change until now. This is your crash course in leading change, and I'm your guide, Lauren Ryder. In this podcast, you'll learn from top C-suite and executive leaders who have driven impactful change across their organizations. No matter what project you're leading, maybe it's a sales transformation or a restructure or a digital transformation. Either way, the approach to leading change is the same. It all starts with an inspirational leader, and that's you. We are on the precipice of technological change that we have never witnessed before. Some people are calling it the fourth industrial revolution, but what we're really looking at is a step change in enterprise technology in the way that businesses work, in the way that they're organized, and the way that they use technology. Now, when we first heard about AI, We heard about it with The Terminator, with Arnold Schwarzenegger and and the robots taking over bodies, or in the movie Minority Report, which was really a kind of AR on steroids. But it didn't really work out that way, did it? What we're seeing right now is really in the form of generative AI, what people are actually touching and using in the offices, whether it's chat GPT or ways to create images, There's a lot of ways that people in organizations are actually touching AI to make it real. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. What we're going to talk about is enterprise AI and more how we can actually bring enterprise AI into our organizations. How do we incorporate it into our people, into our technology, into all of our processes so we can improve our business and achieve our return on investment? Now, the way I'm gonna do this is we're gonna use a model today, a four-step model that anyone can take and use in your business so that you can start an AI project. Now, before we get into it, I'd like to start with talking about how we actually scale businesses. Now, if we look at a traditional operating model of businesses, what happens is we start to gain some value as we start to build the business, but then because it relies on people, our value actually starts to trail off. And a really great example of this is retail. So we have a retail shop and every time we grow the shop, we have to add more people to it. And so while we're definitely adding value to the business and maybe we'll add an online component, we're really not scaling. Now compare this to a digital operating model. This is where a company is digitally native. So think about a company like Airbnb or Uber. And once it's built, really what you have to do is add customers in order to scale, because the technology will scale with it. So suddenly value is added through customers rather than adding users in the organization. So really what we're here to talk about is how we can take our traditional operating model and move it up towards a digital operating model, how we can add some automation and add some AI in there in the right places, so that we actually get more value from our business. Now, AI technology has been around for a long time, I think about 70 years from about the 1950s. And AI is a term that is used to encompass all sorts of technologies. Now, if we look at enterprise AI, we've had a bit of an evolution. Most companies would have tried RPA, or robotic process automation. And that is real simple technology where a robot mimics how a user uses their computer, like mimicking the keystrokes. Now, let's take, for an example, a customer service. So if there is a customer service inbox, you know, customer service at your company, and it might get thousands of emails a day. Now, rather than a human looking through and sorting out where those emails need to go, A bot can come in, can look through the email, can pick some key ideas. Maybe it's a customer reference number or take some words, and it sends it off to the right person. And not every single piece will get picked up, but that's where the human comes in to make some decisions. But that's really simple technology. We move that onto a business process automation, and that's where we automate an entire team or division. So if we continue with the customer service example, maybe we have it in the front end catching emails. But also, when a customer is calling a call center, the person in the call center has a bunch of automated processes that they're using. So for example, a password change that automatically gets sent to the user while the person is talking to them. So we can scale up an entire division using business process automation. The next piece we look at is called intelligent automation. And that's where the real smarts really come in. So that's when we have maybe a mortgage application where a user puts in a whole bunch of information about themselves, and then we have a decisioning engine where the bot actually says, well, you made this amount of money and you have this amount of ID, and therefore we're going to approve your application or not kick it out to someone else. So it's really where it starts to use data to be able to make some decisioning. And now we're at the age of generative AI. Now, as I mentioned, most of us have used generative AI. At a minimum, people have tried ChatGPT to see what it can do. Other people are using it every single day in their business, whether it's to create PowerPoint presentations or images, um, they even have videos that you can make that replicate you. But that's not actually how it's being used across enterprises. Where we're seeing generative AI being used is really in the back end where humans don't actually touch it. So for example, if we go back to the customer service example, and you go on a company's website, and you have a chat bot come up, and you ask it a question, and it says, would you like A, B, or C? Well, whichever one you choose, and whichever one everybody else chooses, the bot will start to understand that that is actually the preference, and it will start to learn from your behavior. So generative AI is being used in organizations, but not in the way that we're using it as a personal productivity tool. Now, this is all great to hear about it, but you know, how do we know which tools we should use or what AI is actually possible for my organization? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a few examples of some AI that is happening in workforces today that might inspire you for projects that you might look to take on in your business. So let's start with the example of a law firm. Now, I don't think we have many lawyers who listen to this podcast, but if there are any listening, just close your ears. Now, lawyers are known to be a little bit risk averse but also kind of control freaks. They really need to know exactly what is happening in their world. They have to be in control. And they have to because the risk of not being in control is huge and it has massive consequences for their customers. How would a lawyer use AI in their work if they want to keep control of what they do? And what we're seeing in law firms is that they are using AI as sort of a co-pilot, as a bit of a helper. So take, for example, a lawyer who needs to read a 200-page document. Now, that's a lot of work because they have to take it and, and analyze it. What they're using now is AI to read and review that document and to start taking out themes and ideas and keywords. And it's actually being used to help them to sift through these huge documents to just help them along the way. And it's also being used, for example, in contract negotiation, where they might get some ideas on points that they can negotiate. So really AI in law is being used as a helper, as a co-pilot rather than actually doing the job and automating it for them. Another example is on the roads that we drive every day. So there is a company in Australia and they are the ones who take your toll money. And as you drive through the toll, normally your toll machine beeps at you because it's clicked, it's taken your money. Now, not every car has that device, and sometimes you might have run out of battery or it just doesn't work. And at that point, the organization takes a photo of your car, of your license plate, takes it and matches it to a database that has an address in it, and then it sends you a bill. Now, this used to be done manually by people who used to sit in an office, and now the whole thing is automated. Now, the license plate doesn't always come through clearly. And so that's when it gets kicked out to a human. And the human actually helps to build the algorithm in the back by programming it and saying, this is actually what that license plate said. So humans have actually moved up in the value chain by how they're providing assistance to the bots. And the final example is around medicine. We are at the stage where we have way more patients than we have doctors. And so in the field of radiology, where we take x-rays and scans, MRIs, and then we have to read them. What doctors and hospitals are using is AI to read the scan, provide them with ideas with what that actually might be. And it can even provide ideas of interventions and how we might treat the patient. Now, again, the doctor isn't relying on the AI But it's using it as a tool to help them. So it really is moving things a lot quicker and adding a lot of value into the process. Now lots of organizations are adopting AI, but interestingly enough, according to Forbes in a June study that they did this year, only 35% of global companies are actually using AI in their business. But with AI being in the forefront of every single news story that you read right now, everybody wants to try it. And 42% of companies have reported that they want to explore using AI in their company, and 50% say they want to try it by the end of 2023. So I look forward to seeing these numbers being run again next year and seeing how many of these businesses actually implemented AI this year. But the real interesting thing is how companies are using AI. Leading transformational change can be challenging without a community of like-minded professionals where you can learn and practice the real skills of transformation. I am excited to share that Jez Tile has just launched an incredible online global community of transformation professionals and let me tell you it is a game changer. It's called People of Transformation and it's a deep dive beyond the theories, beyond the frameworks and straight into actionable excellence. It will allow you to shift from problem seeking to opportunity creation and eventually future shaping. So if you're ready to lead the charge, head to peopleoftransformation.com and use the code leadingchange at checkout for your special offer. Founding member spots are limited, so don't miss out on this incredible opportunity. Now, interestingly enough, when Robotic Process Automation or RPA first came out, Often the first use case that got used was finance and accounting, because it was a repeatable task that was very easy to be able to start taking humans out of the equation. But what I find really interesting is that actually AI is mostly being used in customer service, giving some of the examples that I just shared earlier. But the next most biggest use is around cybersecurity and fraud protection. And this is so important because there is so many cyber attacks going on in the world right now, and AI has actually saved companies trillions of dollars by using AI. So it's a really important use case. Some of the other big ones that are being used are around digital assistance and customer relationship management, giving salespeople support in giving them reminders and automatically engaging with their customers. I have to say, as a, as a as a recipient of some of that technology, it can feel a little bit um, awkward and, and maybe stilted. So I, I do actually still recommend as customer relationship having that human touch. In 1999, a team called Dunning and Kruger did a study where they hypothesized that the more experience that somebody has in any given topic, the more confident they will be in doing it. So, really a linear relationship, where as you become more of an expert, you also become more confident. Makes sense, right? But actually, the curve looks a little bit different. As it turns out, when people have none to very little experience, it turns out they have a huge amount of confidence. And then as they learn more about the topic, their confidence drops to nearly zero, and they realize we actually don't know what we don't know. And then our confidence grows as we become more expert. Now let's start overlaying enterprise technology on top of that. Companies will come in and they decide that they wanna use a technology and become really confident and then try the project out and realize, "Uh uh-oh, that was really hard. And suddenly their confidence drops. And this is what some people call the corporate innovation danger zone. It really is a bit of a scary prospect because really when we have a little bit of experience, that's really when we should be going hard and using that experience. But a lot of leaders back off because they're actually scared that it's gonna be too difficult to really fully implement. Now, if we lay an AI lens over the top of this, this is exactly where we are right now. We have organizations who, as we say, are using ChatGPT and thinking that they can just use AI across an organization. When really they try it and they try these new enterprise AI tools and they realize it's actually really hard. And so what we're going to go into now is how we can actually go into AI and use it confidently across our organization. So what we have is four pillars of AI implementation that we're going to share with you. And I'm going to delve deep into each of these pillars. So the first one is around strategy and planning. The second one talks about our organization and our talent. The third one talks about data and technology. And finally, we talk about adoption and scaling. Now, for any of you project people or transformation people out there, it actually sounds like a model that you probably already know. And that's exactly right. We approach AI projects in the exact same way that we do a normal technology project. But what I'm gonna do is share with you the nuances of the things that we need to cover when we talk about AI projects. So let's start with strategy and planning. The first thing we need to do is find out what makes our organization tick. Now, for those of you who know anything about finance, you would know about the term that's called alpha. And alpha is that thing, that special source, a thing that really makes your company tick and perform above the rest of all the other companies in your field. Really, this is about outperformance. And so in order for us to come up with how we're going to use our data, we have to go, what, is, what makes us different? What makes us tick? And so how do we find our alpha? So let me share with you an example of one of the clients that I've worked with and how they found their alpha. So this example is about a shopping center chain. Now, within that shopping center, they have all sorts of screens that had advertising. Now, you might have seen these in shopping centers where you have a screen advertising new perfumes or some jewelry or some sporting equipment. And you might have them in small screens and big screens or even pop-up activations across the shopping center. So these are ways that they advertise to their clients. This shopping center wanted to be able to sell more strategically, right? They were competing against the outdoor advertising, the billboards and the bus stops, and they were competing on price. But really, what they wanted to do was to compete on value. So where's the value? And what they realized that what they had different from all of their competitors was customer data, and more specifically, shopper data this shopping center had an app that has user data. They have information from the screens because the screens have cameras that can actually record who's standing in front and dwell time. So they have a huge amount of data sitting across multiple databases that actually they're able to take back to the advertisers and say, hey, we actually know who's shopping, where they're shopping, how long they're dwelling, and how much they're actually spending with us. This is so valuable. So this is this company's alpha. So if we talk about trying to find your alpha, if we think about it historically, it used to be that assets were what's most important to a company. Years before the internet, we talked about physical properties and equipment and inventory and and rights to things. These were company assets that people could actually provide value from. As we moved into the internet age, we turn more into intellectual property and, you know, the experience that, you know, gives customers that's unique and it's creative and, and you need humans to be able to create it. And this is where we come to trademarks and, and all the things that humans create that is absolutely unique to a business. But now we have moved to an age where your alpha is data. And this data is not only used for looking at historical information and reporting, But now it can be used as a basis for prediction or calculation or how we look into the future of our business. And this is what's valuable. So if you take some time and find out what your alpha is, the next thing we can do is put together our strategy. The most important thing for an AI project is that we actually focus on business metrics. And there's three that we really need to focus on. The first one is business growth. The second one is cost efficiency. So how we're gonna save money by automating and putting in AI. And finally, customer success. Because if our customers are happy, they're gonna come back and they're gonna spend more money with us. The second thing we need to do is to benchmark. And that's to look across not only our industry and what people are doing with AI and what kind of outcomes they're getting, but also across multiple industries to really see what's available, what's out there, and how we're going to compare to them. And the final piece of it is that you need to measure success early. And we'll get into this in a little bit when we talk about adoption, about sharing that information. But unless we measure current state and how quickly or slowly we're doing things right now and how happy our customers are um, and how much we're spending on different processes, we won't actually know how successful our projects are. So really important to measure success at the beginning before we start, but also early on so we can start to get some early wins on the board. So now we've done our strategy, let's start talking about our plan. And when we have our plan, we have some building blocks to put it together. And I like to use the analogy of a stool, a three-legged stool. So the first thing that sits on the top of the stool, on the chair, is our problem definition. This is the core, this is the most important part of how we're going to shape our AI initiative. Under that, what underpins it, is our data, our algorithms, and then our platform. We can't start with our data. We can't start with the technology. We have to start with what is the problem that we're defining? What is it that we are going to be fixing to make our company grow in value? And so how do we decide what that problem is? And I find that the best way to do this, and mind you, the best way to start any project, is to put your customer at the center of the map. What challenges are our customers facing? And what do our customers want to achieve from us? And what we can do is run this as a workshop. And there, what we can do is talk about generally what are the things our customers want? Do they want us to grow? Do they want us to provide them with entertainment? Do they want us to become more efficient? Maybe they want us to do things faster or, or more efficiently or effectively. Maybe they're worried that we're high at risk, and we need to reduce that. Maybe they have some social or emotional desires that they need filled. There are so many burning needs that our clients want. And until we understand our customers' motivation, we don't really know exactly where we should start. So this is a really good starting point. So once we understand what those core problems are, we can start to extrapolate on that. So let's just take the efficiency example. Maybe they want us to speed up our process, but maybe they want us to get more throughput. Maybe they want us to be able to produce better outcomes more effectively. Or maybe if we're talking about some entertainment, maybe there's some new services or, or ways that they can engage with us that'll get them more engaged in our solution. Look, depending on what your business is, it could be anything. But by running this workshop with your team, you'll find so many different ideas of where you'll be able to start. So if we're going to start this project, we're going to ask ourselves some questions. And we've got six questions that I think you can sit down with your team and actually start to ask them to start to hash out your project. The first question is why? Why do we believe there is a business opportunity or problem that can be addressed? What is the issue that we're actually solving here? Second question is what? What is the underlying data that will be driving this solution? Is it accessible to us? Who has the expertise to design it? Who can develop, who can validate these models? Do we have this team in place? Do we have an innovation team? Do we have data scientists around? We have to have that in place before we start. Next, where? Where is the infrastructure that we need? Is, do we have development infrastructure? We need to deploy it? We need to scale it? Do we have the cloud technology that's required in order to actually run this? And where is it hosted? Fifth question. How can we do this? How can we measure the benefit that it's going to provide? As I said, we measure it, but how? What what are the processes that we put in place to get there? And also, how are we going to bring this to market? How are we going to showcase this to our customers? And finally, when? When are we going to be ready to make a dedicated commitment to support and adopt these AI initiatives? And it might not be now because if you don't have the building blocks in place, you might not actually be able to start. So there we go, that is our planning exercise, how we're gonna get started. So let's jump into the next piece of the puzzle which is around data and technology. So the question that we're really asking here is, what platform do I choose to best leverage my data? Now, the problem that most companies face is they choose a platform because it's already in their organization. So I use AWS, let's use our Amazon AI tool, or we're on Microsoft Azure, let's use our Microsoft platform. And they are fantastic platforms, but they might not be the platforms for your business that solve your problem. And so rather than going down the path and using a technology that you might already have, and maybe wasting a lot of money because it doesn't actually solve the core problem that you're trying to achieve. I suggest you go down the normal technology route where you do an RFP and you bring you write your requirements, you understand what you need, you share them with a vendor and get them to present back how they're going to help solve your problem. And so we're going to approach it the same way we would with any technology solution. The next thing that we want to do is not only look at our data, but then look at third-party solutions that can actually match it. So earlier, I gave the example about the Rhodes Company that's actually looking at your license plate and then getting your address. Well, as it turns out, that address is actually with third-party data. It's actually with the government. And so what they do is have access into that. They match the data and come back. And there's all sorts of third party data tools that you can actually achieve. You you can actually get financial data from some of our banks. There's some really cool things that are out there that your business can access that isn't just your data. So definitely worthwhile looking into that because that can provide immense amount of additional value to your project. And finally, think about the types of data that you actually have. Now, when we talk about data, there's actually two types of data, and most people actually understand this if you look into it. So we've got structured and we've got unstructured data. Structured data is the data that sits in your core databases, such as your CRM or your ERP, those systems that have you know numbers or dates or addresses sitting within fields. Um, it requires a lot less storage. It's easier to manage. It's um it's has lots of protection and security, and it easily maps up to your legacy system. So really, it's useful data to have in your organization. And really, this is the core of what we're going to be using for our AI, because we need lots of data. But if we look at unstructured data, this is data that can't be displayed in these rows and columns and databases. It's things like images and audio files and video files and PowerPoint presentations and Excel spreadsheets and emails. It's everything that sits outside of your databases and it requires huge amounts of storage. And it's not only difficult to manage and organize, but it actually isn't that safe and secure. I mean, how many times have you just sent an Excel spreadsheet to somebody outside of your organization? The challenge that we have when it comes to AI is Gartner did a study and they've told us that only 20% of your enterprise data actually sits within structured databases. And so if we have 80% of the data that's technically inaccessible, I mean, there's certainly tools that can have you get there. The easy way to start would be using your structured data, but only 20% of what you have is there. So really just something to keep in mind when we talk about how we access our data. As businesses grow, enterprise change teams are expected to deliver more. But it can be challenging to keep all your company's change planning aligned. Documents get lost or out of date, and executives can't get a clear report on your enterprise change activities. Until now. Change Plan is the incredible connected platform that gives you a powerful, easy-to-use workspace. You'll get all your reporting at a click, an automated front door process, an org chart synced in with your HR system, and the best part, there's portfolio dashboards for leaders. It is the most comprehensive and user-friendly change tool I have seen on the market. And the results speak for themselves. Teams who use ChangePlan experience a 30% bump in productivity and up to 50% reduction in change saturation. If you want to see ChangePlan in action, head over to changeplan.co slash leadingchange to set up an obligation-free demo for your team. All right, let's move on to pillar number three. And this starts talking about our organization and talent. And the question that we're answering here is, How do we maximize our investment using our people and our organization? So the first thing we need to do is look and see that we have the right mix of talent in order to leverage these AI technologies. So not only do our leaders need to have skills in understanding what the data is and how to use it and how it can shape the organization. We need our technical teams involved, people who really, at their core, understand what AI is. We need our technical teams. We need data scientists who can program. But also, our business owners need to understand. So if if their unit, if their business unit is actually using this data, do we have that technical skill for them to actually understand how they can best leverage it? So really important that we have the right teams in place to actually leverage it. And if we don't, then the next thing we need to do is give ownership and provide education about AI at every single leadership level. So that includes all sorts of skills training um, for every single level of the organization and not just technical training. And in fact, there won't be a huge amount of technical training. It's all about how to use AI within your organization, what it means to you, what it means to your role. And in the next section, we'll talk about what those skills actually are. And the final thing we need to do is instill an AI culture. Now, when we put AI in our company, this is who we are now. We are a forward-thinking company who uses AI to do our business. So how do we change the thoughts and behaviors of the people in our organization? And while there's a huge amount of activity that we can do, I think that the first thing we need to look at and the first area we need to assess our culture is around being risk averse around AI. So there are so many risks that can be introduced into an organization when we bring AI into it. One example is around incorrect information. So as I come back to the lawyer example, you might've heard the story that happened, I believe in the US where lawyer wanted to use some historical cases so he could prove his point in court. And he put the information into ChatGPT and he asks for a number of cases to come back. And the first six were absolutely correct and the last two cases were completely made up. The AI just went rogue and it made up information that it thought was true. And it gave it back to the lawyer who presented it in court and quickly got disbarred. And it's a real problem here if we have to trust the data that we put in. So that's a huge risk that we have to be wary of as we put AI in our company. We also have to be aware of biases and how our AI is trained. There's an example of this, of how AI was used to recruit a number of people. I believe it was for a consulting company. And suddenly the day showed up where everyone who had been approved to uh, be interviewed came into the office, and it was all middle-aged white men. So we have to be really wary of how our AI is programmed and who is programming it. We also have to be wary of ethics in our AI. We go back to this car example, when they take a photo of your car, the first thing that they have to do is actually remove any of the personal identifiable information about you. They call it PII. And that includes your face. And so the first thing they do when they take the photo is wipe the photo of your face so it's not on their systems. And after they get the address and they get paid, they wipe that information from their system as well. So we really have to be thinking about our ethics and how we use our systems, not just that we're using them. There's heaps of other issues on risks, such as cybersecurity, around intellectual property, about making sure that you don't put your company data into public AI systems because it can be accessible elsewhere by other people. And finally, there is a huge risk around change management. Now, when we hear about AI, the first thing that employees do is say, "Uh uh-oh, AI is going to take my job. Now, in some cases, that actually is the case. Um, Just the other day, I was actually at dinner with a bunch of farmers and I sat next to the biggest tomato producer in Australia. And he told me about these robots that are now looking after his tomato plants. And I said to him, what are you doing with all the people on the farm, the people who are helping to fertilize and to pick all the tomatoes? I said, aren't they going to lose their job? How do you deal with that? And he said, look, Lauren, you're absolutely right. He says, at the end of this, we are going to be going down to 15% of our workforce, So he said, what we have to do is talk to them about how can we upskill them in order to help program the robots and help support the robots rather than them just losing their job because the robots are on site. There's a lot of conversations that need to be had as far as how we introduce automation and AI into our organization. And that brings us to our last topic and our last pillar of AI. And that, is around adoption and scaling. And this answers the question, how do you increase your business benefit and utilization of your AI and ultimately increase your return on investment of the systems? And this is all about bringing your people on board. Now, if you are leading this change, there are certain skills that you need to have. And if you listen to this podcast regularly, you'll know that the skills that you need as a leader are really core to being able to drive effective change. And what these skills are are around being able to clearly define and articulate what the problem is, how you share that with your team. And how we do that is through storytelling. That skill is so important for a leader to be able to share the why, the what, and the how. You need such strong skills in stakeholder management because these tools don't just touch one division. They touch all divisions. And so you really need to understand how your organization is laid out, where your points of influence are, and how you can get involved to be able to support this technology through all parts of your business. You have to be able to do persuasion. You have to have resistance management when people put their foot down and say, no, it's all too hard. You have to do some deep listening. You have to really get some feedback and understand, is this working? How are we doing what we're doing? And is it effective for each and individual person who's impacted by this? One thing you will have to do is recruit some subject matter experts to help support and to guide you along the path. And finally, it's not just a one-off project. You have to set up systems to measure monitor and maintain this technology. And as things change and you get new data points, you have to be the one who says, I want to integrate this into our solution and figure out how it's going to work. So your change leadership skills are absolutely vital in how we roll out an AI initiative. But the most important thing that you need to do is actually experiment, do it quickly and then quickly share your success. Because if people can see that what you're doing is valuable, they're going to want to get on board. Too many IT projects run the entire way, all the way to the end before they start sharing what they're doing. Honestly, people get so exhausted by the end of it. If you can share your success early, you'll have no problem getting people on board with what you're actually doing. And what you'll find is a lot of people want to join the party. Now, when we talk about leadership skills, we also need to talk about the skills that our company needs and what our employees need because they're gonna to have to be looking at things differently. So some of the skills that they're gonna need are things like problem solving, because when they get data back from the AI, they're gonna to have to know what to do with it and how to solve problems that they maybe haven't faced before. So they need to be educated in AI ethics. So what are the things that they should be using it for? What information can they put in? And how is our AI ethical? A really important skill for our employees building those interpersonal skills and those communication skills. So if we go back to a contact center example, and somebody's sitting on a help desk and they've got a headphone on and they're working with the customer on the phone, and now that the bot's going to be doing all the hard work by sending password resets or finding the information automatically without the user having to actually do anything, the user now gets to have a great conversation with the customer. So they really need to have those great interpersonal skills so they can uplift that experience for the customer. They need to be aware of cybersecurity risks. There's so many phishing examples going on right now that are being run by AI and they're coming through thick and fast, so they need to be really highly aware of that. They also need to have some critical thinking skills. When some information comes back, is this the right information? Do I really need to do something with this? So we really need to teach people how to think about it rather than just taking the information and just agreeing that this is exactly how to go forward. And I think we also need to expand on this and saying it's not just the employees that need skills. Our leaders need some serious skills as well. Not every leader is actually that digitally informed. And so I think it's really important that our leaders have both digital and data literacy So that when they get the information and they get their data, they know how to ask questions about it and what they should be doing with it and and how to get the most out of their AI because they understand the technology and the underlying place that the data is coming from. The other thing they need to do is to be able to build strong teams. So when we talk about how we roll this out, one way that a lot of companies have effectively rolled out AI is by putting it under an innovation team. And some big businesses already have this, but if your business doesn't, it may be worthwhile forming one. And this is where all the ideas come out and they actually drive these initiatives to make sure you have the right technology, data, people, structures and skills in place in order to roll out your initiatives. And the final thing that we need is really strong emotional intelligence. Look, this is a core skill for all leaders to be able to have. And it shows that they really understand the people that they're talking to and how they're actually feeling about this. And it's a really important skill, particularly in the age of AI, where we don't really know how people are going to react to it. So that's it. It's time to get started with your AI initiative. And there's a few quick steps that you can get to get going. And I really encourage you to start. So what are we going to do? The first thing we're gonna do is find our alpha. What creates some value within our organization that's really gonna make this AI tick for us. We're gonna prototype, let's get started, let's experiment, let's test and learn and really get started to be able to figure out how we're gonna make this work for us and share some success. We're gonna build our innovation team and then upskill our business and support all of our business users as we instill our AI culture. We're then going to prioritize what we're going to do next because we can't do it all at once. So pick some high-priority, high-value use cases and then go for it. I wish you luck in your AI journey. I do hope that this has helped you to put some structure around how you're going to approach your next big AI project. As always, you can always get in touch with me. I'm on LinkedIn. Happy to help you get set up.